and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast Live-ish, because now you can see my stupid face and want to punch it more. I, of course, am Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical, joined by Kankiki Chakas, the man of the Midwest who's never been here. How are we doing today, buddy? I mean, I've been to the Midwest. I've never been to where your town is. I'm great. Well, then you've never been to the Midwest. Because if you've been to the... I'm holding a pen to look professional. So I'm hoping... I'm going to put it down. Does Chicago not count as the Midwest? I've also no, been to it, Wisconsin it, and Minneapolis. Okay. So. Chicago definitely counts as part of the Midwest. However, the thing about Chicago is Chicago is America's second city. So they're in the Midwest, but they're not of us. They're too okay. big. They're too big to be us. Uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, okay, definitely counts. Everywhere in Wisconsin counts. Did I say it's beer metal and vinyl kind of swearing-ish? Now that we are doing YouTube, we're going to swear a little bit less. We should endeavor to swear a little less now that we're going to be putting these on YouTube. Or I will swear in alternate languages that people, that YouTube will not understand. Uh, I guess, realistically speaking, for that to work, I would have to make them up. YouTube. So YouTube understands other languages. I know. So I'm going to make up Utebe. That work that one out. That is so. Uh, we'll, beer check. We'll, we'll use uh, Star Wars swears. How about that? Ichuta. Ichuta is good. Uh, what's the one from the Book of Boba Fett last week? He do, he, he slay, Whoa, he do no spoilers. Slimo. No spoilers. It's, not, it's it's one they've used before. It was in okay, Phantom fair. Menace. He called somebody Slimo, which is like a slimo. Oh, Shushani Dopat Slimo. Slimo, exactly. Uh, Anakin dropped that one. It Anakin comes dropped back. that it, fat one. It comes back. It comes back. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to beer check now. Beer check it up, son. It is hop slam season. So okay. I have a hop slam. Hop slam is only available for about one week a year because it gets bought up like jack jack holes like myself. See what I did there? I, I, think, I, I, you do, I think jackass is okay. Okay, fine. Jackass is like worse myself. swears than an eight year old is probably. Fair I, I imagine your child does not swear, right? Oh no. Okay, so worse swears than I did as a seven or eight year old in New York. We can actually now see the poor if you're watching this on YouTube. Amazeballs. Uh, I am actually honoring both my father-in-law with the Hop Slam. This was the first IPA that I ever tasted that I enjoyed. What's going on with that glass? Glass is very interesting. There's a puck stuck in the glass. That is amazing. Uh, This was my Father's Day present last year. Um, My wife, who is crafty like ice is cold, as we discussed. Mm. I got this for me for Father's Day without knowing that I lusted after one of those glasses. Uh, after Keithy gives me his beer check, I'm actually going to tell a story about what happened to me today. We we have some semi-matching cans. Uh, green. Green is the color, as you see, the oh. environment of the ghost cult HQ. This is a Farm Island Organic IPA. I have never had this beer before. I thought it was like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll just get it. So I'm not familiar with that one. I think it's just another California beer that they sell uh, here. Uh, Trader Joe's once again. Coming I had a Lagunitas earlier today. A Lagunitas mm. uh, Colossus Maximus. You're a fan. Okay. Let's go down. Let's see what this is like. Hmm. Uh, owing to the beautiful hop artwork on the can, you can sort of see while well, this light is not washing it out too badly. It is very hoppy. 
but I don't hate this it. This is uh, the hoppiest 10% beer you're ever going to have, but it's the smoothest 10% double IPA because it's brewed with a little <laughs> bit of honey. This has four times the hops as a normal normal um, Bell's Brewing IPA, which is why they can only do it for about a week a year. Uh, this one is, like, like I, my father-in-law, my late father-in-law, I, on, and I bonded on this one. So I think we would have done him pretty proud today. Today, we were, this weekend, my wife and I are celebrating the end of our 14th year together. The 15th year begins on Tuesday. Don't worry. Everything's fine. And I had planned on upgrading my Prius next year from a hybrid to an EV. And so when we left this morning, she told me to drive. And we ended up driving about 45 minutes away to a Nissan dealership where she said, all right, today you get to buy your leaf. Happy anniversary. And I was like, oh, my God. And my, 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 my response actually was, is this real? Because that is not like her. She and her brother had done a lot of research and she was checking them and she picked out the, the leaf that she felt I would be most likely to drive home in, which is the one I purchased today, actually. And it, it's, it's a great honor. So I'm using the pint glass that she got me drinking the beer that her father uh, introduced me to because I think he would be very happy with us buying an electric vehicle today. That is the kind of guy he was very much about technology and improving the human race. And so I honor him. I honor her. And thank you, everybody, for being a part of this. And I'm going to cry, which is very metal. Cheers to your wife. Cheers to your marriage. And uh, word up. Good times. So yeah. mm. uh now, to, to get away from the seriousness, we are now going to start the vinyl check. The vinyl check this week, the rules are different because this is the first week of uh, live-ish videoed checking. So I may have checked these before, but now they are in hand. And so we're not going to hear about anything I have pre-ordered or ordered. You will only hear about what's in my hand. So... I'm going to start this off with some endless floods, which I believe I mentioned. Mm. Endless floods, circle of the gold, circle of the gold. What's really cool about this one for me on the back, they have the title in Katakana as well. And being as I read some Japanese, I can tell you that is actually, that's what it says, but those are, it says it, it doesn't say it in Japanese. It says it in English. Katakana is not Japanese. Katakana is Japanese for foreign words only. Well, I'm putting this away. Pull one out, Keithy. Well, now. Uh, oh, I said one out, not it out. I had the occasion to go to the DMV of San Francisco, which is oh, yikes. right in the neighborhood of almost hate Ashbury. It's uh, near the famed Painted Ladies. It's near the pan. It's in the Panhandle neighborhood, right next to hate Ashbury. So I found myself back at good old Amoeba Records, maybe my favorite or second favorite record store in the whole country. Definitely my favorite of the two Amoebas in California. I have not been to the new LA Amoeba. I did like the old one very much. We'll see when I get back to LA. Is that who and, I think? Oh, it is. And it has to be. Is I that, have still, is that still Psycho? This. this is the original actual oh. suicidal. This is the original Suicidal 1983 repress 
remastered. I have Still Psycho. I have a shittier, older version of this that's crap. Um, I love Suicidal. Anybody who knows me knows that I do love Suicidal. I will, I will tease this. The, the, I will tease this. Is that purple? Purple and black, half and half. Uh, we don't pull out black. Okay. Oh, it's half. Oh, it's half and half. Is what I'm trying. Oh, to that's say. not black. I apologize. That it's it's, it's well. I mean, it is and it isn't. Um, I'm a humongous suicidal fan. Probably the highlight of my life has been one of them has been interviewing that band twice. I love Mike Muir, and um, I'm often seen wearing my Suicido flip up trucker hat. But my very first trucker hat was a suicidal flip up, <laughs> and uh, just love me some ST. Very and, cool. Uh, got that vinyl. I uh, will. I don't have them handy to show, but I will say that I was sent a care package from Wise Blood Records. You can check this out in Ghost Cult's The Weekly Ritual News Show this week in the mailbag segment. But in addition to a free uh, free shirt and an enamel pin and a light switch with artwork on it, they sent me two CDs, which I'm compelled to shout out because one of them is Lava Born, probably one of my favorite heavy metal albums of last year. It's also, I'm a little biased because the singer of Lava Born is Chris Latta, who writes for Ghost Cult Magazine. You might know him from some of his stuff gets published in the Doom charts. And he's an awesome person as well as Entropy, an incredible technical death metal band. They gave me two CDs along with a little care package of merch. So shout out to Wise Blood Records. Check them out for all the fine Midwestern heavy metal and trad metal and stoner doom. Real quick, if we're shouting out Midwestern metal, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Archangela. Archangela was supposed to have been the opening opening act for the last show I saw before the pandemic, which was John five in November of 2019. And John five was delayed by a Midwestern snowstorm. So they ended up playing between bands with a shitty, shitty sound system. So uh, that was one of the last CDs I purchased because I will, as, as mentioned, even though I'm vinyl only, I will break it at a show. Now I got a t- I got a twofer for you. All right. Oh, you should have just rolled with your two. I no need to. No, I got more than that. I got three after that. Oh, then just ju- run through your. I, I needed you to start because I was getting that one back in the thing, and my OCD oh, right. would go nuts. So while I was in Moline last week, I did go to uh, Ragged Records in Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, shout out to Rock Island, Illinois. I'm surprised that no one is, uh, not as many people are getting killed there as it looks like they are. But hey, they got a great record store. I'll say it. Uh, okay. Picked up Jimi Hendrix, The Rainbow Bridge. You know, $12, $12, amazing shape. It's already been cleaned and spun. It's got some great stuff on there. That was during the 70s when major labels were still releasing posthumous Jimi Hendrix records which were a little bit squiffy. I know you're supposed to buy the experience Hendrix ones, but after I bought the cry of love last year, last year in, in Memphis, I thought, wait a minute, you bought these things to put them out of print. So nobody could buy them. And now you're re-releasing them. So, you know what? You go to hell, you go to hell and you die and I'll buy whatever I find, especially if it's 12 bucks. I spent 30 bucks on cry of love, you know, Again, it, it was on Beale Street. I had just eaten at the Jerry Lawler barbecue place. I was feeling good. People were doing flips on the street with fires. I don't remember. Anyway, also, 
uh, at the same record store, I picked up a copy of Fraley's Comet Live Plus One, which I did not have. Uh, amazing shape. It is a cutout. And I believe this one's... Oh, yeah, that's a cutout, too. <clears throat> They're both cutouts. But you know what? I don't care. Cutouts, cutouts, whatever. Don't care. Uh, going backwards a little ways, did get... My copy of David Lee Roth, Crazy from the Heat. Gotta say, this the, the jacket is a little beat up, but the record itself, and as you can see, it's been placed into the static, the, the static, the anti-static um, inner sleeves, as we've talked about in the past, which I actually need to purchase a new, a new, uh, a new package of them. Now, today's mail call came back after a great day. So it starts off with, now, let me tell you the story. Klaus T. Satanic on Bandcamp Friday posted that they had the full, amazing, deluxe editions of their re-release, Your Doom Has Yet to Come. So I was drunk on a Friday night. It was Bandcamp Friday. I'd had too many. And I went, I'm broke. I can't afford this. I've got credit cards. And then I discovered I did not buy the special edition. So I don't have the Zippo. I don't have the slip mat. I do, however, have your doom will come. I don't have the crazy cool silver splatter. I feel like you have this record already, though. No, I don't have this one. Okay. Oh, it came with a poster. Oh, that's cool. I will never use that, but whatever. I mean, maybe you could put it in the new room. I don't do posters. No idea. Oh, I like the splatter. Now, I want to point out something. One of the great things about one of the great, great things about Clouds Taste Satanic is static free inner sleeves. I do not have to replace it. They already included it. Now, I wonder for the sort of more underground bands like that band, what is the cost differential to? upgrade to that type of sleeve as opposed to a plain old paper sleeve um that i don't know i did look into a couple of years ago pressing helping finance a pressing for a friend of mine because i wanted that record on vinyl and it turned out he was not prepared to pay as much money as anything to, to press it his opinion was he'd already lost enough money on it so totally fair totally fair that's most bands but then again if you have already your entire budget as a band should be the recording and after. Uh, I will not to criticize anybody who's got a clue about the pricing. Drop a comment. I can tell you about the pricing. I look on YouTube or on Twitter or whatever. Um, You have to, the thing about pressing on vinyl is you need to be able to sell 300 to 500 copies. Right. On vinyl alone in order to make the price reasonable. And the, the, each little so it costs about $9 to press a legitimate copy. It costs about $12 to press a copy with all the bells and whistles. Plus shipping, plus this, plus that, plus paying, you know. So it, it, that, that's where you're at. Now, for my last record of the day, another cutout. Yo, see, again, we've been talking about some of these records. Death Wish 2 by Jimmy Page. I have never heard it, and uh, I am interested. So I thought, what better way to listen to it? I mean, 
I think I got that for five or six bucks plus shipping. So it's bad. It's badass. That would be a great record for you and Duncan to review on the Department of Metal Antiquities podcast. It, that'll probably happen, however, not for a while. As tomorrow, I can say it because it'll the, the episode will hit first. But as of tomorrow, we are recording Coverdale Page, which Who's I happen that? to have. Uh, of course, you have it ready. I'm deeply jealous. On Brazilian vinyl. I'm I'm really looking forward to that potential re-release. There's supposed David. to be some cool stuff, including five or six new tunes. If David there, has been touting it, it. If there are five or six new songs, I will probably, probably buy it. Uh, this album here was a Father's Day gift. I received a certificate, which is still on my refrigerator, from my wife and daughter that said, you are entitled to purchase one record regardless of cost, and we will not say a word. Next this year, go big, go really big, like ten. Uh, I screwed up. What I should have gotten was Motley Crue self-titled. Martin Shkreli Wu Tang Million Dollar. <laughs> Poor Nick. I shouldn't make jokes when he's swigging. This is an amazing swig. limited edition beer. Yes, don't spit it out. And not on no. that nice raglan shirt. What is Motive a band? I don't know. Yes, Motive is a band. Uh, Led by formerly led by my my old friend Steve Bouchard, who was a close friend of my cousin's, who was in a band called Crucible, which is where I first met him. Then after that band broke up, he started a band called Travail, not mm. the Travail you've probably heard of. Okay. And when he moved to Arizona, he started Motive. And last year, two years ago, three years ago, I've lost all track of time. In the pandemic, he put out his last album on Motive on vinyl, and I have a copy of that. There's actually a Glacially Musical vinyl review of that record, which is one of the few vinyl reviews that I purchased the record in order to review it because it was worth it to me. All right, then. Uh, now, I was just curious. Uh, my, one of my former bands has a song called Motive that is not good. Um, this, is, this is very good, especially if you like thrash death. Here's, here's a fun... Oh, I do like thrash death. Here's a fun thing I... One of my band interviews uh, on YouTube here for Ghost Cult, somebody was like, you know, oh, yeah, I played in bands. Did you play in bands? I played in bands. Most of them were terrible. And somebody from one of my bands texted me and was like, dude, what the hell? Our <laughs> band is terrible. I was like, not your band that I joined. My bands were terrible that I led. Your band that I joined as a backup guy was already good and befouled by me. But um, the self-depreciating humor did not translate to that person very mm. personally. What do you mean, shitty bands? So I'm really sorry uh, in advance, Fonzie, or in retrospect, and I already apologized via text as I'm, well. I'm sorry. I have to put this back. Yeah, no worries. It's driving um, me crazy. Talk. No problem. Um, very nice on those vinyls. Uh, we had recently talked about David Lee Roth and Crazy from the Heat. You've been tweeting a lot about that. I love Ace Frehley and Frehley's Comet. That looks really cool. Love Hendrix. Great um, copy of it, too. All of these of, are in great shape. Of the non, what I'll call non-authentic while he was alive slash just passed away Hendrix albums. That's one of the better ones. I saw Rainbow Bridge at like 13 or 14 and it was like. The, the music on this record has nothing to do with that movie. I'm aware. Yeah. I, I, Even um, though it's the official soundtrack. 
It's yeah, I know. It's just it's the seventies, and you know, I'm You're not going to I'm not going to go on a tirade about Alan Douglas and the estate of Hendrix and things like that. But obviously, Hendrix Essentials, Original Three, Band of Gypsies, Live at Woodstock, later albums from the nineties like the Unplugged Acoustic Blues, the Blues record, and the Unplugged record, both worth owning for sure. You know, and then, for, in my in my experience personally, and you know, we all base our experiences based on where we are in terms, especially in terms of records. You know, if you can find a Jimi Hendrix album for fifteen dollars or less, regardless of oh, what's the word? Regardless of you know the origins, where it comes from, who owns it, just buy it. Just buy it. Yeah, I've got yeah, probably six nefarious Jimi Hendrix records now. Right. Well, we just don't want to try to have them, but I understand. Well, I mean, they're um, only used anyway. It's not like you're buying them new. Yeah, Jimmy's great. And if uh, you buy them used at your local record shop, you're supporting your local record shop. Similar to similar to what's going on with the Prince catalog, as I mentioned, my vinyl check last week was Prince. Um, you know, I did you have like, anything else this week, or was it just the one? no? That just the one. And um, like I said, I mentioned the CDs because I just felt compelled to shout out that label. Cool. But um, I was just going to say I had Prince last week that we are not going to get to see here. But I will say, um, you know, I, just like the Prince catalog is being administered, I happen to know by mm-hmm. a very reliable, respectable source, I feel like the Hendrix catalog is now in better hands than it's been for a long time. Uh, I'm, I'm not touching that. Let's move forward. Yeah, what, are we ta- what, are, what are we talking about this week? So we are beginning a new series and uh, we concluded, we concluded the last series and we had our chaser episode, which was a lot of fun because we commiserated our commiseration. And now we're starting a new series. We're going to talk about Robert Plant's early solo career, probably we'll call it phase one of his solo career. I will say that Robert Plant is definitely not metal. Led Zeppelin is, in my humble opinion, definitely not metal. No. However, yeah. it is metal adjacent, metal adjacent the yeah. stuff that metalheads love. I mean, so. we say metal, but realistically, have we exclusively even done no. metal so far? No. no. I mean, like, of course, we're always going to be metalheads. But I think, like, essentially... Well, being a metalhead is, you know, you can't listen to Circle of Salt and be like, oh, I'm into music. No, you're into metal. That, that's how we're seen, so whatever. I understand. Um, I I think Robert Plant's a really good choice. Nick chose Robert Plant, and I'm pleased that he did. I'm a big fan. Did um, hardly choose this because I have all of these al- albums on vinyl. I only have today's first one. I only have the first one just recently acquired in my big vinyl purchase of a few weeks back. Um, I actually found a copy of Pictures at 11 on Japanese vinyl, and I went, hmm. no, I've already got it. Oh! Poor choices. All right, then. Make better choices. That's what you try to do in life. If you don't mind, let's let's roll it back for a second, a uh, couple of years before this first record. I think it's important to note because I feel like everything Robert has done ever since the end of Led Zeppelin is not just teed up, obviously, with this first record, but I just think like he, Led Zeppelin ended. I'll summarize now. Led Zeppelin ended, and then this this principle guided him the rest of his career so far, which was not to repeat Led Zeppelin at all. If he and he could. never, never, never did. Oh, oh, almost never 
consciously tried to make a Led Zeppelin-esque song. Even Led, there's the, a couple. Even the album with Jimmy Page is not, not Led Zeppelin. Not, not, not even not, close. Not quite the Led Zeppelin playbook on purpose. And so, and you know, that's not a disrespect to anyone else. Uh, John Paul Jones has had a varied career with incredibly different styles of things, solo albums that are vastly different, avant-garde albums and collaborative projects like Diamond Gallus. Yeah, and of uh, course that, real quick, and the, the check out that on the Department of Mental Antiquities. Duncan and I checked out the sporting life, John Paul Jones, yeah. and the Gallus. Yes. The one of us Gallus. liked it, one of us did not. Yeah, I can guess exactly who <laughs> did not like it and who did. And then I got, you know, of course, them Crooked Vultures, which is probably, you know, arguably the one of the best things outside of Zeppelin by a Zeppelin member. Man, um, talk- I would call that a wasted a wasted uh, opportunity. Okay, well, we won't today. Um, yeah. We won't go there today. But I, I, so, so Led Zeppelin ends when John Bonham dies. Rest in peace, Bonzo. And they had considered trying to go on without him, but I think ultimately made the Did they? I didn't know that. Well, you know, they... Well, I guess it took 11 months for them to announce from the death that the to... the band was over. Yeah. I mean, so I, I mean, like, I, I, I'm sure that sounds blasphemous to a lot of people now. How could they go on without him? But a lot of bands. How many bands didn't him. go? How many bands broke up after a death? Some. Not how a, many? Not I can think of one. I mean, this one. Some. Okay. This, but Zeppelin also, I mean, you know, if you want to really think about it, they definitely had hit a logical arc and a place to stop. As a band, well, that is true. We can talk about that another time, also, because we don't want to diverge too much. But I just, I just think it's worth noting that this album comes out. Mm, I don't know, sixteen months after, seventeen months after Zeppelin announces they're done. So Robert, you know, maybe he was going to go solo eventually. Anyway, you know, maybe you would have got other projects from the members of the band, and or you know, they might have taken a hiatus and then made other records and come back someday um you will never know uh bonzo was not that old they were not that old when the band ceased and robert started at you know 19 years old in band right so he was what 30 32 I mean, he's really young i, I would have to think at that band. point though because led zeppelin one comes out in what 68 69 yeah, so 68 to so 12 years there's 12 years of led zeppelin so he's 31 32 at this point and there were whole years where they were like, they had the car accident, they were off the road. Right. There, there was, was like three like, years. There was a three-year period of nothing. There's periods where they were totally inactive, completely, except for maybe Jimmy. Right. Uh, and even Jimmy was, you know, preoccupied with uh, certain things. But, um, you know, I, I would think that based on the transient careers of the principals, not including, you know, not including the the folks that were brought in as a favor, i.e. Robert and Bonzo, but you know, the, you know, you got John Paul Jones and Jimmy Page who spent 10 years ahead of Led Zeppelin being basical, basically musical hobos, whatever train they could catch, they caught. So, mm-hmm. you know, Jimmy Page described on um, how the West was won as their, their creative Zenith. It was definitely the pop, the, the Zenith of their popularity, the crescendo of everything that is Led Zeppelin via classic rock radio. And however you feel on that, whatever it, I could see where even if Bonzo hadn't died, they do that tour 
and they probably take a break. Especially when you consider how how bad of a way Jimmy Page was in at that point. He was in rough shape. They were all in rough shape. Robert was in rough shape just personally. He'd been suffering right. a lot of losses. His son had died just a few years earlier, and he still has not gotten over it to this day. And how would you get over the death of a child? You wouldn't. So I have I, I there I will not explain deeply, but there is an incident in my life and my child's very early life that I cannot let go of. She was fine. Everything's fine. No hospitalization. Everything's fine. But there are times when my brain gets stuck on that. So if she had died from that moment, I don't know. I mean, I probably wouldn't be here. The fact that Robert Plant has continued and has made it this far is pretty amazing to me. Yeah. So So the band is done. And Robert at some point decides like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to go, you know, maybe, maybe I'll do a solo album. I'm not sure. I don't know how I feel. I definitely don't. I'm going to get pigeonholed. Led Zeppelin was such a singular, gigantic band. How do I, what's the next step forward? And he uh, consulted with his very successful and hit-making close friend, Phil Collins. Phil Collins is partially responsible for the beginning of Robert Plant's solo career because one, he convinced him to do an album and two, he was like, not only do I believe that you can do this, Robert was like, I don't know if I can do this. Would you come help me? He's like, I'll help you write the songs and I'll play drums on the album and I'll co-produce the album with you. Yeah, can, can we just say that Phil Collins and Robert Plant are on both of the records we're talking about today. Yes, on, and Phil's on most of them, most of the tracks. And also, this is at the, the start of Phil's ginormous solo career. And two yeah. years before the ginormous Phil led, Phil fronted, however, Genesis. I mean, Phil is exploding in a way that Robert Plant never did. That's also true. But, you know, Phil, it, un, inarguably, Phil is one of those artists of the 80s that literally, if I say Phil, you know, I mean Collins. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Metalheads yeah. might say Anselmo, but like most people, pop culture people, pop music people. Phil Collins was enormous, still is, was enormous in the 80s. His officially took over uh, in Genesis in 76, uh, officially made his recorded debut in 77, and his first solo record, Face Value, was 1980. So he preceded... And what, uh, Land of Confusion was about 84, 85? 87, 88. Oh, wow, I missed... Invisible Touch is Land of Confusion. That's okay. Oh. I lost the light. But anyway. Um, You're still sexy. I'm still pretty, pretty damn hot. In my Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem shirt. I uh, Janice it. is my imaginary girlfriend. Yes. Well, she's all our girlfriends. Um, no. No. <laughs> anywho. So, so what else do we have to say about that? No, uh, so, yeah, I just want to, I wanted to bring this up because, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it's a bold move to go from the biggest band ever again, similar to John Lennon and Paul McCartney and George Harrison and Ringo. Only thing I could compare it to, to step from an Aussie. This is your, that's it. That's the end of the whole list. No, no. no, I I think the Aussie one was different because black Sabbath was, he, he got off the boat like a a week too late. I guess, but he was fired. But also, like his, I know, I know, he had nothing against Dio, but nothing against Dio, but Mob Rules 
and and Heaven and Hell did not ship millions of units, and, no. and Blizzard of Oz did, by the way. So hate well, to Bl- go there. I mean, Blizzard of Oz had Randy Rhodes, and that's also true. You know what? You, and you I love be, Dio. Do you know what would be fun? A little shop talk. Everyone, stop listening for just one second. Black Sabbath and Ozzy of the eighties, head to head comparison mm. series. Okay, maybe. Write it, someone, someone, write this down because I'm gonna forget. We, we'll have another eight. This is our technically our current. This is our eighties week. Week or eighties well, month. Month eighties run. Right. We will have another eighties one again in a few months. But um, yeah, I just thought it was interesting to set this table because you're I absolutely Robert, right though because Robert Plant not only left the biggest band in the world, but he has refused to return. He has refused to return, and that's something we can talk about maybe a little more appropriately at the end of this run. But I think because he logically should have gone back by now for something, a tour, not just these one-off things. But um, so pictures at 11 forms, and it's definitely unique as Nick is holding up a second beer, which is... This is a uh, anniversary IPA by 21st Amendment Brewing. Is that anniversary and honor? Oh, shit. Anniversary? Oh. Serves you right. <laughs> Welcome to YouTube, where the Glacial Musical Podcast makes sillinesses. Continue. Continue. I, I've wasted a, half of this. It's a colorful beer. It's a very colorful beer. Um, I'm covered in beer. Hopefully, none of it got on your vinyl. That would be a tragedy. Oh, I might have just well. All right. (laughs) Nick is like Nick is like like the Pope, body of Christ. Beer. When you drink crazy heavy IPAs like I do, sometimes they blow up. It blew up. I can live. Uh, So this this just proves how wrong Godzilla versus king kong was because i spilled beer on uh, my keyboard and we're still going so i just think it's an interesting place to start is to just give a little background robert who was again the iconic the iconic frontman of the of pre- all time met, of all time arguably of all time at least of that era arguably peerless as a singer had doubts about what kind of that he could even entertain a solo career and what kind of solo career he had um which tells you a lot about him personally and that he you know was very cognizant of the fact that despite all the praise you know he was concerned about how he would be received as a solo entity real quick just point out that Robert Plant was a front man in Led Zeppelin during the era of The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, moving on into Pink Floyd, moving on into Kiss, moving on into The Who, Mark II, moving into Deep Purple, and now we're into the 80s as a solo artist. That is the the landscape that he traversed. All before he was 35. Correct. At, at to age thirty-two, I mean that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Wild. Um, right. So, principle of moments, though. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, pictures. Pictures at eleven. 
because my computer hates me. Uh, Fair. Yeah, that's that's next. But yeah, so so pictures at eleven. The the coy, um, you know, maybe maybe a little nod to the press who is always indifferent and bitter and do we need nasty do we need to ever. explain the title a little because it is twenty twenty two. Pictures at eleven or was typically the. 11 p.m. was the news time in the 70s and early 80s where when something happened, pictures at 11 meant watch us to see filming of it, to see a film of the news that had just happened. Indeed. So, I mean, now news is a 24-hour cycle that basically kills you. Also true. Um I also want to just point out that I think this album cover is super interesting. Love it. Uh, Love it. it. It definitely inspired George Michael's Freedom 90 video where, you know, so Robert has to almost burn down Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin to have Robert Plant, the solo artist. So Correct. literally he's in a room with a photo of him on fire that he clearly set the fire as he's smoking a cigarette with a Zippo lighter next to a hose that he could be using to put out the fire, but he's just chilling, so casual, so smart and subtle at the same time. And, and he's uh, dressed in 80, early 80s regalia. He is he the is, king yeah. of 1982. I don't think he's, he's got on gazelle shoes, but he could. He is wearing a winter coat minus sleeves. True. Fair. That was a th- I remember in second and third grade, having those sweet ass puffy coats where you could take the sleeves off. And that's Robert Plant wearing the same coat that I did in second grade. Except he did it well. Yes, this album came out when I was 10. So I can't swear that I had a photographic memory of it. I remember the hits from my childhood because they were pop radio hits and he did have some hits, especially in the first few records. And yeah. I but also like revisiting this album now uh, has been you know a little bit of a treat. So uh, perhaps I have zero recollection of this album in from the time frame. I mean, in in fairness, when this came out, I'm listening to Motley Crue, Iron Maiden, Quiet Riot. You know the new way. You know, and and Kiss, even though somehow they found themselves in the modern era with Lick It Up. So. I, I just yeah. don't remember any of this. Yeah, and, and again, I'm trying to think about like the contemporary, most of the contemporary 70s bands are already disbanded. Correct. Or not, or not making commercial hit songs, except for, you know, maybe your Grateful Dead's who I don't like, but that's when they hit, had hits in the 80s, uh, in the sellout era. And um, well, I think a lot of people forget that once the decade turns, public taste always changes it's it's not really yeah it's just a thing that happens and 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 again the 80s belongs to as much as i love thrash metal as much as i love heavy metal as much as i love hardcore as much as i love death metal the 80s in a cultural sense really belongs to the pop star and really belongs to pop radio in a way that the it didn't so much in the 70s definitely did in the 60s um and and robert is trying to you know where's his footing Where's his footing? If I don't repeat the steps of Zeppelin and I want to make truly original new music, where, who am I and where am I? And so I think this album attempts to answer those questions interestingly. 
And um, so with that out of the way, and this album is on Swan Song, which is the Led Zeppelin sub-label under Atlantic. The uh, only <clears throat> Led Zeppelin album, or the only Robert Plant album on Swan Song. I think it's the only, except for one other band, it's the only, well, I mean, maybe Pagey's records are Swan Song records, but like most of the Zeppelin-related adjunct things are not Swan Song. Stop being the label, basically, for a while. He's going to pull his out. Oh, Death Wish 2. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> Anywho. Um, and, oh. I was actually, I only learned that today. I was very surprised, actually. That's really cool. Yeah, well, you know, Jimmy can do whatever Jimmy wants to do. Correct. He's Jimmy fucking Page. <clears throat> He's Jimmy fucking Page. Um, so, that being said, shall we? dispense with the pleasantries and run through the track listing of the, the album. last thing i'm going to say is this album did go platinum you know we're we're not talking about the five times platinum that a led zeppelin record would have gone at this point in time but how many platinum is a platinum record is a successful record in any era at any time forever and ever amen I mean, uh, uh, yeah. I How mean, many yeah, solo I mean, artists go platinum after being in a band, in a significant major band? There's a chance that some of this, you know, there's definitely the it, the in the fascination, you know, quotient has to get filled. Like fans of Zeppelin are like, this is the first thing from a Led Zeppelin person. I must have it. The firm doesn't come out for a few more years. Jonesy was on the low, you know, on the down. Check out the firm on the Department of Metal Antiquities. Yeah, the firm for real. Uh, Radioactive. Anyway, um, (laughs) anywho, I have it on um, vinyl. I have them both on vinyl because I'm a turd. You don't have to. I won't. I'm not. I don't want anybody to see my PJ pants. They're yeah, that's fun. That's Pac-Man. Pac-Man's awesome. I'm wearing wakey wakey eggs and bakey pajamas, so it's fine. I've not done wakey wakey hands off snakey. Hey now. Um, so yeah, the track listing. Let's hit it. Uh, all songs written according to Wikipedia, a source of sources and not a hundred percent accurate sometimes. All songs written by Robert Plant and Robbie Blunt, who's a famous guitar player and uh multi-instrumentalist, except Sig- for Burning Significant Down career side. for that gentleman. Yeah, for sure. Um Burning Down One Side, Fat Lip, and Far Post were all written by Plant, Blunt, and Jez Woodruff, the keyboard player on this album, and a longtime associate of Plant and others. So, kicking off with side one, and since we got, we both had the vinyl on this, we can approach it like a side one and a side two. I will uh, let you do. Uh, for me, this track is a great example of what Robert Plant has become in 1982. We're, we're uh, you know, we're a few months out, about a year, I guess about three years out at this point from the last Led Zeppelin record, which was in Through the Outdoor, if memory serves. Yell at me if I'm wrong. I'm right. Yay. Um, and this is very reminiscent of the presence in Through the Outdoor, the coda. It, it's Led Zeppelin, but it's not. It's very bluesy. However, it, he has got he's got a foot in the 70s and a foot in the 80s. And that is that is a concept that 99 times out of 100 fails. However, this works. Yeah, this was in uh, burning down one side is what we're referring to. It was a legitimate hit song was on radio. Um, 
It does not sound like Led Zeppelin, although it, I mean, you know. Robert, it doesn't, it doesn't. I disagree with that a little I mean, bit. Well, I mean, anything that has Robert is going to sound like Zeppelin, but I just mean musically. It would have been very easy to try to ape the 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 tropes, if you will, of Zeppelin, even late era Zeppelin, and it doesn't. I don't think I, it does. I will say there is some Jimmy Page aping throughout this one and the next. Not like, not not a straight up Xerox. But there are some, there are tropes that were recycled to an amazing effect. Fair enough. Um, It definitely has a groove, and Robert does a lovely job singing. He's correct, really great throughout of this record. And um, I would say he's almost restrained. And again, Robert himself spent the whole late era of Zeppelin bucking against everybody's expectation of him as the caterwauling, youthful, ripped out crotch song. He, he didn't guy. feel youthful at that point, which is no, why beat to crap by life. Right. Which is why. And we'll get to that <clears throat> later. Yes. Uh, second track. And my favorite track on this whole album is Moonlight in Samosa, which is a very, to me, romantic, almost R&B style song. Hmm. And I uh, love the guitar work and Robert's beautiful crooning, like very smooth voice on here. Like really, you know, nice lyrics, very, you know, thoughtful and purposeful song. What I love about this one is it's got a nice little flamenco bit. It is slow. It is, it's a great pull back from the first track my only complaint is it goes on a little bit longer than it needs to which tends to happen on solo records more than band records but you know it's it's we're doing good we're doing well this is a solo record from a less than principal member of a extraordinarily popular band and i'm digging it that's unusual for anyone, really. We move on to Pledge Pin. Now, doing a great dynamical thing. We're up tempo. It is very synthy. Plant has arrived as a solo artist at this moment because the first two tracks feel Zeppelin-y, but each track, and we talked about this when we, when we did Metallica, how Metallica, back in the day at least, wrote their albums vertically. The first song was the first track. And they that's how this album feels. It feels each track has less Led Zeppelin than the previous track. And if you're going to go solo, there are two ways you can do it. You can go solo with the way you feel you are, you need to be, or you can ape what you did. Fair enough. I really had not thought much about this track in the intervening years between listens. I get that it was a single, um, probably one of my lesser favorites on the record, but then again, I do respect the merits that it has. It's a solid song to me. I don't think it's great, but um, uh, did not stick with me all these years the way the other ones have. But uh, yeah, it's solid. I will, I, will go, I will go to uh, your point your just recent point about 
Moonlight and Samosa going on too long. Slow Dancer, which closes side one, is like eight minutes long and it's fully unnecessary to be this long. Yeah, but Slow Dancer goes on for eight minutes and it feels like Led Zeppelin. So it starts off like Led Zeppelin and it ends like says Led Zeppelin on side Which one. Led Zeppelin? So here's the thing. Late era Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah. It definitely has a... Um, the Led Zeppelin know. when Plant was more in charge of Paige because Paige was on the heroin. The heroin. Sure. Sure. Uh, I don't think anybody was in charge. I think I think Jones and, and Bonzo were in charge, actually. But yeah, I know what you mean. Um, all of my love and you know oh yeah in the the light as opposed to cashmere so i get you i do get you yeah it's okay and all three of those songs are similar and one is great and the rest are not oh hard disagree but anyway um, worse than detroit starts side two you gotta flip that record don't understand the like any of meaning of the meaning of the song in any way no he doesn't even say detroit on this in the song it's not, yeah. It's a joke. It's some kind of punchline to a joke we'll never know. When did uh, when did Kentucky Fried Movie come out? Oh, Jesus. I don't know. Hang on, hang on, hang it's on, hang on. not worth looking up. Huh. But you're going to. Siri, when did Kentucky Fried Movie come out? Oh, 1977. Oh, I, like, I like your Darth Vader phone case, though. Oh. Um... Very cool. Um, um, not a memorable song to me. Not really? No. I mean, it's 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 weird. It, it's sweet as honey, and then then the next song starts. That is also the first line in the first ten seconds of the song. So yeah, for sure. Um, now this next track I like quite a bit. Fat Lip. I'm not sure if it was a, a single. I think the first record only has the two, but uh, this could have been a single. It was actually. You know, it's five minutes, but it's not too, you know, it doesn't feel like it overstays. A solid song. None of these songs really rock. I would not necessarily call this a rock record. No, it's, it's a synth, it's it's a synth pop record. Like a, not quite new wave, though. I want to make the distinction. It's not. It's post, semi-wave. It's not post. <laughs> it's, it's middle not, wave. It's middle wave. It's not post-punk. It is not mo- like a mod new wave no. it's not adam and the ants it's nope. like its own thing it's like a pop rock record with it's, it's like jimmy pop said in uh, the bloodhound gang tune not older new but middle school fifth grade like junior high okay and, and that's what this is it's it's middle wave it's not it's not old wave it's not new wave it's somewhere it's it's mm. as you put it it's its own thing that never became a thing yeah, but I mean, it's Robert trying to find his new identity. And I like Fat Lip. I'm going to say that this is one of my more favorite tracks on this. When, when this one came on for me today, because I've, I've listened to this three times this week. And today was the first day I took notes. But the thing about this album and the next album is these don't feel like individual tracks to me. And I mean, I know I've gone over and over and over and on and on and on about how I listen to an album as an album and not a series of songs. But these albums do not feel like songs. They feel like one moment, maybe two moments, one side, one side. And then this is this particular track is when it really felt like, wow, it's just more and more movements for me. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that. That's makes sense. Um, you know, could have been, you know, on one hand, writing with new partners, on another hand, trusting other, you know, who's guiding the process. Robert is technically listed as the producer, but really Phil is the co-producer. Phil, who has had a ginormous, so already in two years has put out two banger records as a solo artist and two Genesis records. So imagine this is like the fifth record he's worked on in two, less than two years. Holy moly. Pretty nuts. So we uh, move on like, move on like, <laughs> that's funny. Like I've never been gone. And you know, love the intros. It's mellow. It's beautiful. It is what it is. This is the finger pick one. This is a nice finger picking one. Yeah, yeah, nice arpeggios. A lot of arpeggios on this record all the way through. It was an '80s thing, I think. Actually, like every guitar player was like, "Learn your scales and play your." Look, rock that G, rock that E, rock that A minor. There you go. G major, A E major, A minor. There's a progression. That's all I've got as a guitar player for sure. Um, yeah, solid song, not spectacular. Once again, Correct. just decent, just decent. It's, and then you know, when you get to the which, every record in the world, when you except for like Dark Side of the Moon or The Wall or Injustice for All, you get to you get to the middle of each sign. He gets a little, eh, a little squiffy. That's where you hide him. Before we get to the end here, I did want to mention that uh, besides Phil on this album, Cozy Powell is the other drummer. Rest in Amazing. Peace. Rest in peace and power, Cozy Powell, one of the greatest drummers ever. Um, what else can be said? Guy's incredible, played with everybody, Beck. And uh, do you have one there? Is he on there? No, no, I, I'm just putting it away because you're talking. And then you okay. it out. All right, then. Um, you can't throw this away because there's stuff on there. So I understand. So, yeah, Cozy Pal's on here. Again, we mentioned Robbie Blunt, Jez Woodruff, uh, Paul Martinez on bass. And uh, we skipped over on Pledge Pin because, again, it's not a remarkable track to me. But the uh, saxophone solo, the sax solo on track three is by Raph Ravenscroft, who is like six degrees of Pink Floyd separation because he toured with them at certain points. And he also was like the alternate to Mel Collins. Who's the most wait, famous. wait, which one is Power Mullet? I have no idea what that means. Watch. Oh my God. Watch Delicate Sound of Thunder live on YouTube. Okay. And you'll, yeah. and you'll, and you'll know. That's Mel Collins. Yeah. Okay. okay. The so power Mel- mullet, the mullet where he's like got six inches of lift and oh, 38 no. inches in the back. That's somebody else. That's no. um, Scott Ross. It's Power Mullet. That's who that Scott is. Scott Ross, Greg Ross. I, I don't care. It's Power Mullet. Sorry. Mel, Mel Collins is more closely known with uh, King Crimson, but he is on Dark Side of the Moon. Raph Ravenscroft is another. Uh, he's also the guy from Baker Street. Like, uh, yeah, uh, Jerry Rafferty and Baker Street. So, like, you know, that famous sax solo, maybe the, arguably the most popular saxophone line ever in history. Um, that's not from jazz. So, Fun facts about what the talent Robert put together, a very talented band, put this record together, didn't always translate. Uh, and the final track, Mystery Title. I wonder if some of these were just the starter names and they just kept them. Because again, it just seems like, what what are these things? Um, I, you know what? I like this song, but yeah, what is it? And that, that's all I got. It's, it's techno boogie blues. 
fair enough. There's also a remaster extra track called Far Post that I think was a B-side of a single, never released until 2007, uh, and a live track. But, uh, nah, you know, solid, solid album. Solid. Very solid. It's, it's probably hits. my favorite plant solo record, honestly. Oh, okay. Um, my at least two that far surpassed these first right, couple. Fair. Well, that's me. We'll get to it. Uh, we will. Um, but not not too shabby. And uh, you know, he goes out on the road and refuses all overtures about playing any Zeppelin, mm. much to the consternation of other people, of of everyone, of fans, of anyone, critics. Why is he not doing Stairway to Heaven and and Black Dog? Because he wants to get away from that. Like it wasn't his choice to get away from it, but now that he's got the opportunity, he's going to pursue. He's going to do what he's going to do. Going to do his own new thing, and you know, and and let's face it, even he he was like, you know, oh, you know, Jimmy got all the credit and blame for Zeppelin, which isn't fair to the rest of us, which is an un uh, not an unfair observation. By the Correct. guy who lived this shit. Correct. Um, Before we move on to principle, I want to say one thing. The principle of moments tour started where? I do not know. Peoria, Illinois. No shit. No shit. So apparently Robert Plant does play in Peoria. Unlike the podcast. Unlike the podcast. So. Oh, we're moving right on. We move moving right on. Move it, move it. I'm moving right. Moving along. We are. Uh, I'm, I missed the first period of the Blues game, so let's, let's get moving. All righty. Blues um, lose, so it's fine. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so Robert comes right back with, with another, another record. platinum record. Well, I mean, that's beside the point. I think that he just comes right back with another record. Correct. One, two out of the gate, whether he was feeling fertile or inspired or just felt like, oh, I need to just come right back with another record. I think it's very interesting for the most successful front man of a band ever to feel a creative urgency to continue to prove himself, uh, you know, 15 years into a career. Agreed. Agreed. And you know what? This one is... And when we get to it, I'll mention it because all I'm going to say is about it is there's a track off this record that I thought was the worst Led Zeppelin record, worst Led Zeppelin tune of all time. Okay. I didn't know it was a solo tune. I understand. Um, once again, Phil Collins enlisted to play. Phil Collins, the busiest guy in all of show business. That's amazing. <laughs> it, it, it's truly amazing that this dude is on this album. I just want to verify here. Because Philip, like, not for nothing. So, like, again, two Robert Plant records, right? Um, right. Face Value, Hello, I Must Be Going. And when, and, like, also, you know, like, just before the singles. So, like, yeah. Wow. Like, super busy super super duper busy and headline tours and 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 robert by the way i don't think we mentioned this out of the gate robert was headlining arenas by himself and not i think that was probably why people were like i paid for an arena ticket in the early 80s which i'm guessing was like 20 bucks 25 bucks 
Because concert tickets used to be like yeah, eight, but, nine, ten bucks back then. Yeah, but at that point in time, minimum wage was like what ninety cents. I mean, something like two, maybe a buck fifty. But um, I don't know. It's wild that like Robert went right to headlining arenas. Because I don't think anybody else in the band did for a while. Like Jimmy you know. Page did. We made it the firm. Yeah, but that's the firm, which also had Paul Rogers. So yeah, like, and they uh, also didn't play Led Zeppelin. They, they did, did not, not play bad, and they did not play free. They eventually did do like a couple of Zeppelin and Bad Company songs toward the end. Yeah. I just read this the other day, so Fair just enough. not all the not right initially. Initially, they were trying not to. Again, so Principle of Moments is eighty three, summer of eighty three, to be you know sure. So it was right. Recorded already started writing and recording at the end of '82. Beginning well, the of- the principal moments tour was about ten weeks, August to October. Principal moments or the first one? principal principal. Okay, so it, it makes me think that the the pictures tour was not exactly a Led Zeppelin style tour. Sure. You know, I, I think at this point Robert Plant is seeing himself more as a Bob Dylan type rather than a Robert Plant type. He'd like to be, yeah. He'd like to go back to that, dial that, I mean, forever. He would like to dial that clock back to, you know, early before Zeppelin and Robert. Right. And that's a whole interesting other conversation. We can. Start we will get, we, we may go five episodes just so we can talk about Robert Plant as a human. All right. I don't know Fair. about that, but maybe. Um, I don't know either. I'm, sa- I'm saying it, now you have to. Okay. Fair, fair. And you put out into the universe, then it has to become <laughs> so. Um, so officially, he has a top 40 hit with a single before this album ever comes out with the unfortunately titled Big Log. Um, for a guy trying to get away from the cock rock preening and prancing, as Nick is frowning, everyone on YouTube will see Big Log. Here. Poorly. No. Poorly everything. No. Uh, no you know what i'm gonna get my pen i'm gonna cross out my notes <laughs> okay all right jeez i know it's very sparse there i mean it's fine I, okay so anyway yeah um yeah interesting stuff the second record is definitely a departure from the first it's his first record under his own imprint as Peranza. Which many Robert records. That's his. I did. I did not his know own, that. He swan song kind of ceased to exist by the end of '82, mm-hmm. and so Robert is like, I want to continue to be on Atlantic. Why not? And so Esperanza is formed as a sub-label, Robert's own imprint. I don't believe he ever put out anybody else, but his own records on it. But still interesting. Fair. And um, yeah, uh, a more. I would say that. Just before we run through it, I feel like Principal is a much more conventional 80s pop record, e- even a further departure from Pictures and even a further departure from Zeppelin. I would definitely agree with that. It it didn't it it there's it except for one track, which is track two. It doesn't sound like Zeppelin. It doesn't feel like Zeppelin. It feels like Robert Plant pictures at 11 minus one. 
And that has been the entire Robert Plant solo career. Each album gets farther away from what you know him from. Which is fine. I mean, that, that, that's a great way of doing it. I don't disagree. And I think, you know, again, what was right for him. Correct. You know, what I mean, he needed to do. Right. He, he's not Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin was four dudes. Right. You got two dudes in Led Zeppelin together, him and Jimmy Page, and they couldn't make a Led Zeppelin record. The only two guys that could make a Led Zeppelin record after Led Zeppelin were Coverdale and Page. Those guys over there. Because because okay. David Coverdale wanted to be Robert Plant so bad. Okay, we don't have to go there. We don't. Okay. We don't. We don't. Let's go through the track listing. Let's hit it. Uh, I'll start. Other Arms leads off the album. Uh, this album has many singles, um, but Other Arms is the first track on the album. It's not the first single. Big Log was. Released right about the same time as the album, but uh, we'll talk about Other Arms, Robert Plant, Robbie Blunt composition. It's a pretty standard pop tune without much rock. It's only a little rock. Yeah, it, 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 it's as far away from Pictures at 11 was as was Pictures at 11 from In Through the Outdoor. There is there's a definite separation with familiar familiarity. It, it's mm. good. It's 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 a good track, but you can see where Plant is separating himself from Robert Plant. Yeah, that's that's fully fair. He's really trying to step, you know, away from this, you know, image that everybody has in his mind, and it's. One of the hardest things to do is to just make people see you in a different light. Change is hard as it is. Change is hard enough by itself without the whole world's perception of you. Without the whole world perception saying no. Mm -hmm. Well, we can talk about that in hindsight uh, right after this. But yeah, Um, solid track. It was a hit song. It technically displaced every breath you take by the police out of the British top charts. Literally not gonna it touch it. Not one. not touching that. Knocked it out of the number one spot somehow. Uh, somehow. Um, second track and probably the most well known song off of here, beside Big Log, in the mood. Uh, Nick hates this song with a furious passion. Oh, furious! Yes. Like I don't think it's a terrible song. Listening it back is. to it now, I thought it was cute. Um, a lot of artists were trying to appropriate American R&B, you know, sort of hip-hop is not officially a commercial thing yet, but uh, except for Sugar Hill Gang and The Message, um, there are we'll call them R&B proto-rap elements in the song In the Mood. Robert is singing, but he's trying to approximate a rap. And listen, I'm the person that says early jazz singing his rap, scat is rap, scat jazz scat singing his rap, um, Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin drunkenly gibberishing over the middle break of a song is rap. Death metal is rap. Black metal is rap. All these things are rap. But Robert's hoobajoob jive during the song is his, in his mind, he's paying homage to American urban music. Uh, it's not that good a song. 
there's a really the guitar part is cool and there's some interesting sonic things happening in here similar to what queen did with the game and uh and um an, another one bites the dust which in their mind was a rap song that's how they wrote a rap song they heard rap and they were like oh let's do that with scratching and bricks dropped into pianos and freddie mercury rapping his nick makes a face keith shut up and get to the point um it is just it's just ultimately it's catchy I love the guitar part. It's not that good a song. Somehow this was a hit song. I don't understand why. Help me. I'm going to say this, and I'll say only this. Today in this podcast, I am discussing the worst Led Zeppelin song I have ever heard, which is In the Mood. However, what I did not know through 15 years of Keishi was it was a Robert Plant solo track. Tomorrow on the Department of Metal Antiquities, I'm going to discuss one of the greatest Led Zeppelin tracks that was actually a Coverdale Page track. So both of these gentlemen know how to make a Led Zeppelin tune, but this song sucks. It yeah, is- there's, not, there's nothing about this song that sounds like Led Zeppelin. That's, I, again, you're telling a personal story. Correct. You, you were misinformed. You thought this was Zeppelin. I did. You heard Robert, and you didn't know he was a solo artist because you were a little kid, probably. No, this is when was. I was in my 20s and late mid-20s. Oh. It, it just sounded like a late-era Led Zeppelin song. Not in any way to me. No, this is terrible. Right. There's okay. no quality about it. Can we it. move on to good songs now? Well, you yes. Ha- you 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 had your minute, so I had more than a minute. Yeah, you had like four. Moving. So why on. don't you take over with the next couple? Uh, now we are on to messing with the Mekong, Mekon, Mehan. I don't know the font on the back of this record is weird, and you know how does one describe this track? It, it the the song, the sound, it's got that thick throaty like bassy chord sound and it, it's, it's another movement in the record and that's one of the things that Robert Plant does better than probably 80 to 90 percent of most musicians is he makes albums he makes full albums full of movements and this is that's what I took away from this particular track yep yeah, a solid good track certainly a bounce back from terrible in the movie oh god that song is awful it's a step up messing is a step up as a song it's a very good song it's not a filler agree um this is a plant blunt and martinez I, I think paul is the bassist on this and uh again phil is on drums on more than half of this there's eight songs phil's on drums on five of these tracks um about what he did on the first album too about five yeah, or six just about the same and uh the jethro Tull drummer of this era Barrymore Barlow is uh plays on uh, a bunch of other drums there's also a lot of the the use of the infamous TR-808 drum machine in places so very similar to in the air tonight that like synth drum 80s drum sound played with pads in your fingers is extensively used on parts of this album and on this on some of these tracks in lieu of an actual drummer uh, money making money just give it that 80s whatever we're supposed to, it's the 80s this is what we're supposed to do i don't know if you said you've seen the sound city uh documentary no, i really haven't actually oh no i'm shocked um i know me i'm shocked too it's on youtube you can watch it for free i know i know i know 
and I watched. I just it, haven't done it. And there was a, just just a just for a sidebar for a quick second. There's an entire thing about like when the clock struck, you know, midnight, 1980. All this incredible effort and craftsmanship and songmanship and producership of the 70s. None of these are real words. Keep onics. These things about like Nev consoles and room miking and all these things that years were spent putting into to make the best records you have ever heard in your life went out the window and all the gear companies started to like, you got it's the 80s, you gotta have computers and debt and digital and MIDI and all these things. So it's interesting. It that, in. Yeah, it's interesting that we're we're exploring these early 80s records now. And uh they definitely are going away from that 70s sound. Not just because the artist wanted to get away from his own 70s sound, the albums don't sound anymore. They sound very of that era. The funny thing about the 808 808- which not many of them were made and they were originally created in order to create the standard drum sound, but it sucked for that. So yeah. all the rapper guys started picking them up and, you know, as Adrock put it on uh, hello, nasty, nothing sounds like an eight Oh eight money making money, money making. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and also like the drum sound of an eight Oh eight, I'm almost certain is, uh, Jim Kentner from from Jefferson Starship or Airplane, like it's his. He played the samples on a traditional dry mic drum kit. So like, I hate that '70s sound. I need like an '80s sound. Get me an A08. It's like the most '60s '70s dude ever to play drums and literally played military drums with like one hand, the hand grip one and the hand grip two. No one can see me on, on the podcast, but you know what I'm saying. Um, military style grip. Anywho. Uh, diverge, diverge, diverge. Track four, closing outside one. I did not listen to this on vinyl. You did, but reckless. I did love. not. I thought you did. Reckless. No, love. I was downstairs when it was on. Okay. Reckless Sorry. love. Reckless love is number four and closes outside one. Another solid one. Uh, I wonder. Robert is such a huge fan of late fifties, early rock and roll, rockabilly. And even sort of proto garage rock, the the Stephen Van Zant radio playlist of stuff. That I wonder if the Reckless and Reckless Love is not a nod to Reckless Eric. I'd go the whole wide world, Reckless Eric. I wonder if this is not an homage to him in the title because Robert loves that dude and he loves that era of artists, the purity of the writing and stuff. Um, good track, not you know a little long. For me at over five minutes but you know good track nothing no i was down Nicholas has nothing. i was downstairs while it was on okay I mean, like I literally downstairs my, my record player is upstairs i was downstairs so right. i'm flipping the record as everyone on youtube already saw flipping the record on to through with the two-step and we haven't mentioned this, but Robert Plant's lyrical titles are really ridiculous. And, you know, much like this predecessor, the predecessor record on this one, you know, pictures at 11, this each track, each track is a movement of an entire whole. And which is very much a Led Zeppelin concept. When you look back at one, two, three, four, Houses of the Holy, 
each track bled into the next. And even though there were a lot of similarities on those on those songs, they felt like just a part of the whole. You know, I think there's a pretentiousness that comes with the Zeppelin mystique or whatever. And none of these, you know, for better or worse, none of these titles are as pretentious as most Led Zeppelin song titles. They're not trying to be bigger than life. He's trying to bring it back down to a street guy level because at his heart, you know, he's trying. He's trying to be Robert Plant, not Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin. Right. As we've said. And this is going to guide his whole solo career. So through with the two-step, I can only, you know, I only know what it means to me. But, um, you know, most of Robert's songs are about love and life and philosophy and things. Um, This is yet probably another romance thing or lack thereof or failure of. Um, Another semi-lengthy song for the early 80s, uh, another over five-minute track. Um, You know, not super memorable, but all right, decent. Uh, horizontal departure, same. Um, yeah, a full, yeah. A full, a full band composition here: Plant, Blunt, Martinez, and Woodruff. Um, you know, Stranger here, then over there again. What, what is this uh, goofiness going on? What is he going on about? We have definitely reached a new level, or just a new part of the Robert Plant experience. And this, each song is farther away from Led Zeppelin than its than its previous track. Until this next one, uh, and then the obligatory sort of sounds finally, you what, know, big 16, sixteen songs into his solo career, the sixteenth or seventeenth song if you count the uh, bonus track that no one ever heard. Big Log is the closest thing to a Led Zeppelin-y song by Plant until about five million years from now. And it's not even that close. It's not that close, but you can hear vocally that he's sort of doing his, sort of doing his old, his old school stuff vocally. Yeah, I mean, there, there is definitely, the way I would put it is on these two records, there is enough Led Zeppelin teasing to remind you that he was in Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course. Like, look, I'm not saying like don't be the thing that made you famous. I agree, and I'm not saying that that either that it's right to be completely away from it or wrong to be completely with it. But there is an. I feel like there is enough teasing, and I don't like necessarily teasing. However. If you're looking at it mathematically, the man was 25% of Led Zeppelin. Anytime he's going to lean hard into Led Zeppelin, you're only going to get 25% of it anyway. So, yeah, it probably is teasing. There's enough teasing and there's enough walking away from. So where it doesn't, it, it does and doesn't feel like Zeppelin, which is probably right for a solo artist in a band like Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin was the the whole of the sum of the parts. It wasn't like Kiss or Pink Floyd or Def Leppard, you know, where you could keep doing what you had. Yeah. You could not do Led Zeppelin without all four dudes. He's trying to paint with a different palette for the first time. Correct. Probably in his whole career, 
that he has never tried before. So of course, sometimes you're going to do the familiar and a song that's a little more rock and blues and Big Log is a rock song. Correct. So, so of course, when you have guitars and riffs and licks and a solo, maybe Robert's head just tells him, Rob, do the Robert now, do the Zeppelin Robert now. And the, you know, the, that shit. You know, shake so, those hips, unbutton yeah. your shirt, spread it wide, let everybody see that breast, that sexy ass breastbone. And that little hey. treasure trail of the Robert plant. We all want it. Sometimes, hey, look, trail. sometimes we all need to see 1974 rubber plant all right that's fair it's it's not my favorite song i think it's very interesting that it's the last song on the record in a perfect robert contrarian way so oh the record label said this is the single well i'm gonna put it on the album last because back in the day most people were not let's be real i mean nick probably will skip around a vinyl and be very precise with his needle drop most no. people drop the no. and play through hell what the f- I'm going to drop F-bombs that we're not supposed to drop because we're on YouTube now. No. You're very salty today. I don't know why. You seem like you're not in a good mood. I don't know. You all right? I'm fine. It's supposed to be a good day. You got a car. It's your anniversary. I'm putting my glasses down. Who's it playing? You're just so salty today. I don't know. I'm I'm wearing glasses staring at a computer and it hurts my eyes. All right. Um, Probably won't do it again. No, I don't don't move around. I, I drop it at the beginning. I was giving you a compliment that you're talented yeah. enough, that you're experienced enough. That oh, that's what we're going with? Okay, fair. Whatever, man. Uh, anyway. I've only had, final I've had half a breakfast and most of a lunch. Well, that's not my fault. I came No, prepared. it's not totally I did not. the homework, and I came prepared. I ate I did not. I did not. breakfast and lunch, and I did the homework. So Fair. You're smarter um, than me. Let's talk about how Phil Collins also went on tour with Robert with no billing at all. He did? Just he toured oh, these that. two albums. He toured this album especially. He toured that first little run of dates with no just playing the drums. I don't even think Robert gave him a shout out because that wasn't even a thing back then. Philip just like, I'm going to honor my promise to my friend and go back him up. What a treasure that Philip Is it did. fair to say that this <clears throat> solo album is a supergroup? No, because he didn't write on it. I wish okay. he had. I wish he had let Phil write. What about well, he had Phil, he had Blunt, he had Robert and other yeah, kids. Yeah, but like Robbie Blunt is successful, but I don't think he's well known. All right, fair. And, and I think Philip, for whatever reason, he's not sharing his songs or Ro- maybe Robert just needed to exert his authority over a band and to have another big name guy co- collaborate and write with maybe, maybe made him look a little, didn't want to look weak. I think at this point, Robert Plant had to be Robert Plant just. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're coming out of the. I I know we've said this multiple times today, but Led Zeppelin in 1979 is the biggest a group has ever been. Mm. Yeah. Despite the troubles, they were huge. They were still huge. They could have continued to be huge, actually. To no, me, I mean, like, right now, if Jimmy Page and Robert Plant go on tour without John Paul Jones calling it Led Zeppelin, they could get away with it. They will sell with the exact same group they had as the Page and Plant tours. Oh, yeah. I love that tour. That's what uh, I, I, I saw that tour. Was, was, I saw Amazing. the first one. But if they go, if Page and Plant go on tour as Led Zeppelin, because Jimmy Page owns the name, I think. 
So if they go on tour as Led Zeppelin with the exact same group they played arenas with, they're playing football stadiums three yeah. nights. In I, every, I, they're going to play three nights in Austin, Texas. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed and we're not going to get it. Well, it, it, it has, but we're just talking about a P. He's 25% of the biggest group in the history of the world. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on this record or the first two records? The first two records, I think, were very good records. And I bought both of these in an antique mall that no longer exists. I got about five bucks a pop. I will actually be listening to the entire run of the Robert Plant series on vinyl, which that's a big flex for me. Well, maybe that's next, what I do. Maybe next week you'll actually listen to the record. When you're I listened to the records three times. Nick, who swore to me off air, he was not going to yell at me since we were going over to YouTube, but he cannot honor the promise. It's fine. I still love you. I'm not um, honorable. <laughs> you're a scoundrel. <laughs> I like nice men. I'm nice men. You're a scoundrel. You like me because I'm a scoundrel. Anyway. Oh, don't do that. Why do you like it? Exactly. Anywho. um, These these albums are good albums. They are close enough to Led Zeppelin to keep that fan base. And they're far enough away to distance himself from that and create his own identity. They are the perfect kind of solo records, especially for... In that particular band, each member literally was 25% of the sound. And that I just, is not I just think it's common. interesting that, like, I, I do it out of, res- like, love. And I'm not resentful. I love Led Zeppelin. I'm, I appreciate Robert. I don't fully love everything he's been doing his whole career. I'm not a huge fan. I, I respect and like these records with Alison Krauss and, the, and Band of Joy was a good record. But I just is just not my jam. So I respect the albums and I like the music and I honor, honor that the music is quality. It's just not what I'm. No, I completely right get that. I'd much rather have something else from him that is, he's not interested in doing. So I'm not going to sulk. I'm a fan and I'm going to love what I love and not love what I don't love. But I will say that unlike everybody else, Robert has bucked against this notion that the fans, myself included, want to pigeonhole him into he's everything almost every decision what are people going to say about me how does this compare to led zeppelin how can i make this not zeppelin-y this is his thought process because like everything roger daltrey has done sounds like the who and everything phil collins except for his pop stuff if he made a progressive rock record it would sound like genesis because that's what phil is known for besides his pop stuff and so this is a super interesting conundrum that almost no other artist has followed through on because most of the time people are afraid of alienating their fan base. So it's like, well, I'm going solo. I want people to like what I do. I don't, you know, uh, John Anderson of Yes's solo albums all sound like Yes albums because he's the voice of Yes and his music sounds like Yes, even when it's him making it. So, you know, I just, it's just interesting to me that Robert has just defiantly not made a Zeppelin-y rock record. There's a couple of songs here and there down the road we're going to get to that I do love, but not... But I mean, look at Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page was the sound of Led Zeppelin. He did one, one, well, maybe Death Wish 2. I don't know. I haven't heard Outrider, I would say. I don't no. even see... I, I mean, you're going to say Page and Coverdale, Coverdale yeah. Page. I think Outrider is like his attempt at like re-Zeppelining Zeppelin 
if you can take that like yeah but coverdale page sounds like zeppelin whereas outrider sounds like a fart i guess coverdale page does have them both on vinyl yeah i understand i'm just saying i'm just saying and we're not talking about pagey here we're talking about robert um you know i don't think anybody could do zeppelin by themselves no yeah i didn't well that's not what this is about i'm just saying the choice the conscience choice to not worry about it to not worry about it or or to worry about it but not to do it just to not do it this is go i'm sure all his managers and i'm sure atlantic records was like could you give us one song in e minor with a riff and scream over it and he was like fuck no look can we just get immigrant song too yeah no he hates that whole notion he would never you know and I, and i understand and i get it and i appreciate robert um I, I appreciate the fact that he was willing to make an artistic choice yeah and do it and yeah. he he never he he never reneged on that but it should also be pointed out that we're not talking about somebody that needed to have a multinational successful quintuple yeah. platinum record to pay his mortgage not at all he did not he doesn't have needed to work ever again actually Correct. so every every song at this point is gift they're not all continue to be gifts but to, the fact that that's why jimmy page can continue to just curate the zeppelin catalog yeah, because he doesn't need no. he doesn't need another dollar he doesn't need another pound as it were no but i, I have nothing else to add to this because any more would be beating a dead horse do you correct. have anything else nicholas i have nothing else uh i will say this week thank you for listening thank you for watching if you have watched this i will post links uh this is the glacier musical podcast it does not play in peoria although apparently robert plant does <laughs>